is going on? Welcome to the show. It is uh, about 12.04 on Thursday. It's finally Thursday. All day yesterday felt like Thursday, which is weird. All right, full disclosure. Um, By the way, I'm Pete Callender. That's not the full disclosure, although I guess it does count. Um, I got to say, I'm a little ornery today, just a little bit. The air mattress that I brought, (laughs) that we brought to town when I started this week, I was like, all right, you know, we, we still have all of our stuff in our house up in Asheville. And so I'm like, I got to I got to bring an air mattress to town. And then when we you know, move our stuff, then uh, well, I'll have a bed. And um, I went to because, you know, there I slept on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And now it's, you know, last night, Wednesday night. And so, it, it you know, you lose some air overnight. And so I plug in the little uh the air blower upper device thing. And I, in, I, I stick that into the, uh, into the port. And when I stick it into the port, I hear a click sound that I don't normally hear, but all right, well, it's a click, whatever. I don't know. And so I start inflating and I'm waiting for it to inflate and I'm waiting for it to inflate and I'm waiting for it to inflate and it's not inflating. And uh, so then I take the, the air blower upper device. I take that out. And normally when you take it out, there's a little flap that boom closes behind it. And so all the air that you put in the air mattress doesn't, you know, escape out. I know it's like a fancy kind of air mattress. Cause I'm old enough to remember when the air mattresses, like you had to blow them up or met with like your mouth. It was like a big balloon. And was, you would... was Tom Brady at your apartment? No. Why? The deflated balls. Deflategate. You don't understand that because you're not a sports person. No, I do. See, this is what everyone says this. No, if I wanted the air mattress deflated, I would have wanted Tom Brady. But I wanted it inflated. And so, no, he wasn't there. Right. I got the joke. Oh, hang on. Let's test it. There you go. <laughs> so, uh,. This is all about why I might be a bit ornery today. Just a heads up, Governor. No, you see, he actually moved his press conference to 3 o'clock. Coincidence? The guy's never done a presser, a COVID newser at 3 p.m. But I say, hey, if I'm on the air when he's doing his COVID presser, I will um, newser. Sorry, it's a news conference, not a press conference, because the press is just the printed. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is that I said I was going to do the live coverage and... Um, and then they were like, cancel it. And then they moved it to three o'clock on uh, today. So unfortunately I will not be able to do that. I'm sure it's, he's, just, do- he's dodging you. I'm sure, but no, it's probably just coincidental. It's, it is probably just coincidental. Like for example, I arrive into town and now it's like a billion degrees. I'm sure it's coincidental, but maybe not, maybe not. What was I saying? Oh, right. So the air mattress, the flap usually swings back and then it keeps the air in. And I noticed that the air is now rushing out of the air mattress. And so it's not <laughs> it's not holding it. Apparently, when I put the thing in it and that click that I heard, it broke the port assembly. And so now it's not keeping any air in the air mattress. And so... What was initially a selling feature to me that the building was built with concrete walls and a concrete uh, floors and ceilings. So it's quiet. You don't have the wood floors with the bowling team living above you. You know, that was all a selling feature at first. 
<laughs> Last night, it was not a selling feature, having concrete floors to sleep on. <laughs> I tried to, I inflated the thing up, and I laid on it. I tried to fall asleep as quickly as possible before the mattress deflated, and it, I was not successful. Have you ever slept on a concrete floor? For an, it's, yeah. It did act as a tarp, so I did have whatever that is, that plastic, what would you say, a sixteenth of an inch? I had that. And then I get in, I tell producer Ryan over here, tell him this story, and what does he do? He runs out to his car where he has like some, I don't know, $4,000 air mattress just stashed in his car. He's like, hey, I got an air mattress for you. He just carries this thing around with him. It's a nice air mattress. I'm surprised you didn't take it or you didn't want it. I don't know where that thing's been. Maybe it's it's still in the box. That doesn't matter. You could put it back in the box. Maybe maybe we can give away the uh, the air mattress today with the uh, Rolling Stones We're not tickets. Not giving away an air mattress today. <laughs> you should not. Why would you give that thing away? It's like seven thousand dollars. I can't return it because you slept on it and you did something. I didn't to sleep it. on it. The, you, literally, the package is still like the the lining is still on the, the box. Why can't you return it then? Why would not, why wouldn't they take this from you? They it was past the ninety days of the, of the certain department store that I went to, uh-huh. and then they also wouldn't they wouldn't take it back for like store credit because it's a air mattress. They won't let you return air mattresses because of bed bugs or something. I guess. So when they said they would not take this back from you, did they first like kind of look you over? Yeah, they 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 spent some time like just kind of looking you up and down. There and was then they kind there of was ju- side there, eye there was you. judging. There was lots of judging, and then they said no. Yes, right. Because <laughs> I I wonder if certain like like if the what is this the Sports Illustrated who left this thing in here the Sports Illustrated swimsuit magazine if that person were to bring it back. <laughs> Do you think they would take it back from that person? Yes, and they'd, prob- I, they'd probably like let them return it like three times and three, give them yeah. three times the value of it. <laughs> but we're not bitter. Okay, so, um, yeah, so this is a piece of trivia that might become important at some point in the future. Ryan has mattress will travel. <laughs> he apparently just keeps it with him. You never know. I keep now. I do keep a sleeping bag in the car normally because you don't ever know. You have a sleeping bag, so you're ready to go. It doesn't take up a lot of room. It was not in my vehicle, though, because I just packed it last weekend to bring it what I could down, and I did not bring the sleeping bag because I had an air mattress. I can't sleep in a sleeping bag. Yeah, I made a mistake. It's a good point. I made a mistake years ago when I was about uh, 40 pounds lighter, and I bought one of the mummy bags. You know what those are? Yeah. It seemed like a really good idea at the time because it was, you know, it was cheap. I was feeling not cheap, but it was... um, it was lightweight, and it was not cheap, but it was lightweight, and uh, I felt like, oh, this is cool. It, like, it gets down to a really small size, so I can fit it in the backpack, and look at me. I'm all trim. I'm at a fighting weight of like 178 pounds. It's fantastic, and then like, and I slept in it once or twice, and I was like, wow, I mean, this is really uncomfortable. I don't normally sleep like, like a mummy, and so I should, that should have been the first clue, right? Yes. Mummy bag. Sleep like a mummy. Pete, you don't sleep like a mummy, though. You sleep on your side, and mummies don't sleep on their side. I've never, I mean, I don't know. They sleep standing up, generally, I thought. Don't they? They're, like, all wrapped up, and they're, like, standing up. Maybe they were, like, put on their side in, like, ancient Egypt, and, like, as time went on, they slowly (laughs) stood up. (laughs) They slowly got turned around. Yeah. I mean, I I, I could see, like, falling down. I don't know about falling upwards. Although, who knows? Those pyramids, man. Uh, all right. I don't know. What, how did we get down this rabbit hole? I, oh, because I might be a little bit ornery today. 
which is why I'm really kind of not in the mood to listen to these health officials. I am just, I'm so at my wit's end. As a former reporter for like a decade, like I used to be able to go to people and say, you're an expert in this field. Tell me something that I can then regurgitate to other people with authority and make myself sound smart. And now I can't even do that. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Pete Callender here with you until 3 o'clock. We're going to get into all of the latest guidance from the CDC on the masking and uh, the vaccinations and the breakthroughs and all the whatnot in there. But here's the important thing. The Rolling Stones have announced that their no-filter tour is coming to Charlotte. It's going to be on September 30th at Bank of America Stadium. You have a chance to win tickets right here on WBT. If you listen every day this week, well, today and tomorrow, that's all that's remaining of the week, to my show from noon to 3. And when you hear the song Start Me Up by the Stones, you want to be caller number 11 to 704-570-1110, and then you get a pair of the tickets to the Rolling Stones at the Bank of America State. We're just going to do this right now. All right. Yep. All right, we'll just do I'm it not, right I'm now. I'm not waiting. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. That was Bill O'Reilly earlier. We already we already played Bill <laughs> O'Reilly today. All right, we'll, all right, we'll be caller number 11 right now to 704-570-1110-1800, or just, sorry, just 704-570-1110. Sorry, just that one. Yeah, you might want to give the right phone number. <laughs> My bad. 704-570-1110. Did the 11th caller now get yourself a pair of tickets to see the Stones on September 30th at Bank of America Stadium? I actually saw the Rolling Stones at that stadium. It wasn't called Bank of America Stadium at the time. It was their Bridges to Babylon tour. I was so high up in the stands. Like, I had, yeah. The only other time I had been that high up in the stands was at the the Monday night football game between the Panthers and the Packers when some idiot ran on the field. It was a Monday night game. And we had two tickets. There were three of us. So we swapped out with some guy on the street. He gave us three tickets for our two. And his three tickets were literally the last seats at the top of the stadium. <laughs> But there were three of them. I mean, the entire section was empty because the Panthers were not that good that year. And, um, yeah, and so we ended up moving down a little bit. But they were like um, like the last row in the stadium. But during the Stones concert there, like, you could feel the place move. And that's, you know, obviously by design. But you could feel the place move when it was, it was crazy. It was a great, great show. They had the stage that came up in the middle, and they had the bridge that crossed over the crowd and all that. It was the Bridges to Babylon tour. There you go. So good luck to one and all. Only one can win. Mecklenburg County residents, even those who are fully vaccinated, should start wearing masks again indoors, says the public health director, Gibby Harris. 
This is the Charlotte Observer story by Hannah Smoot and Allison Kuznets, who say Harris stopped short of issuing a mask mandate yesterday, saying that a news uh, saying during a news conference that she wants the public to follow updated CDC recommendations. And she urged anybody who has not gotten a COVID-19 vaccine to do so as, as soon as possible. Businesses should also require patrons to wear masks. But there is no mandate at this point. Show of hands. Who thinks there's going to be a mandate? What do you think Cooper's going to do today at three? What do you think? This is a tough spot for, for Cooper. Right? I mean, what, what do you do? He doesn't need to worry about re-election. Unless he's got his eyes set on some other race, which the rumor out of Raleigh that I have heard is that uh, he is not actually interested in running for, well, I shouldn't say he's not interested. The rumor I have heard out of Raleigh, and so it must be true, is, <laughs> I read it on the internet. No, somebody told me, um, and someone else kind of confirmed it, that they got the same sense that uh, Governor Cooper's wife does not want to go to Washington, D.C., so the idea that he would run for a U.S. Senate seat, again, uh, like when Tom Tillis, uh, his seat comes up again at some point, that's, but, so he's not going to do that. And he said this time he wasn't going to run for U.S. Senate because he didn't want to let Mark Robinson become governor, <laughs> right? the lieutenant governor. He didn't want that to happen. So uh, that kind of that limited his options. But I've also heard that Roy Cooper would like to just kind of be the kingmaker, if you will, of the Democrat Party going forward. And so he just kind of wants to retire, take it easy, have people come through, kiss the ring, do some fundraising and that sort of thing. We'll see. But what do you do? Because if he's not looking for any kind of re-election prospect here, does that kind of free his hand to do whatever he wants? I'm skeptical only for the fact that it seems like he just follows whatever Cuomo says. And they are on calls all the time with these governors, the Democratic governors. And Andrew Cuomo runs those phone calls. And it, it hacked off some of the governors um, who were like, uh, I want to say one of the guys was out of New Hampshire. I think it was a Republican who was, I mean, it's a New Hampshire. Yeah, I think it was New Hampshire. Um, and he said, like, we're, we're calling in to get access and to talk with the president or the vice president. And neither Biden nor Harris has been joining those calls. Now, this was several months ago. And so obviously as the, you know, the case counts dropped and hospitalization counts dropped and all that, uh, then uh, there weren't, it wasn't the need for as many calls with all the governors. So maybe they don't happen any longer. But when Harris and Biden were not running these calls, then Cuomo was. And like I made the joke, this was probably about five or six months ago. Like, if you want to know what Cooper is looking to do, just look at what Cuomo's talking about, because he tends to follow whatever Cuomo is doing. And all of this stuff, like you can't tell me that these things are not being coordinated. And you could say it's completely appropriate, but there's also some level of politics, and this has done more damage to any kind of marketing or messaging campaign in support of public health vis-a-vis the vaccines. So do we have a winner? What's the winner's name? Ron from Gastonia. Ron from Gastonia. Congratulations. He's going to see the Rolling Stones. Your chance to win another pair of tickets. The final pair of tickets will be tomorrow at any time during the noon to three show because i pay people to listen 
It's gotten me this far. Well, I mean, I bribed them. You whore. I do. I, I'm. It's radio. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. All right, so I, I'm still getting set up on all of the emails and everything. I apologize. I was not even aware that they did, that Mecklenburg County did this press conference yesterday, or I totally would have live-streamed it or uh, uh, live-tweeted it, And I was, but I was not aware. But we do have some audio. And so I've not heard any of the audio, but producer Ryan has, has, was it, he pulled the cuts. These are cuts because they're like 45 seconds or under. So these are cuts. And so he has them. So this is the first time I'm going to listen to them. I have no idea what Gibby Harris is going to say. Congratulations, by the way, on her impending retirement, right? She announced she was going to retire. Um, so, I don't know, like this could be this could be magic, right? She could be saying something really amazing or not. It's really and if it fails, if all of this falls apart, I mean, I think it's obvious we blame Ryan. So uh, that being said, Ryan, are you ready? Uh, Because he loves this, too. We had a discussion about this. Cut number one. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I know that we are seeing breakthrough cases and that makes people question why even get vaccinated. But what we are seeing is those people who are vaccinated, they may have um, a light case of COVID. They may have some symptoms, mild symptoms. They may have no symptoms at all. The problem is for those individuals who are most at risk and those who aren't vaccinated, they can spread it to those people who are currently vaccinated. And those people who are vaccinated, if they become infected, can potentially spread it to others. So if we're going to get this virus under control in the community, it's going to take all of us working together right now. Okay, so this encapsulates the argument that everybody's got to mask up because the unvaccinated won't get vaccinated. And uh, so we're supposed to be mad at the unvaccinated. This has to do with this idea that there is viral load, which I think I... I thought I remember. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw them open for uh, leftover salmon up in Davidson College back in I think it was like 1995 or something. Yeah. Viral load. That was them. Anyway, the viral load, the amount of the virus that is in your system. Apparently, the nose is the uh, where the Delta variant likes to load. That's where it's all hanging out. This these high levels of the of the virus. And they say, well, that's really bad because then it, it happens so fast that the body's immune system that even when you're so when you're vaccinated or if you have natural immunity because you got sick before. Right. You've got this immunity and uh, you get the Delta variant and all of the viral loading is all in your nostrils. And it's like it happens so fast that your body can't even react to it. That's how fast it happens. And so this is the reason why. Everyone who has been vaccinated is now somehow a risk to everybody else, too, just as much as or almost as much as we don't know. And it's hard to say. 
Now, just last Friday, uh, the health director, Gibby Harris, told the Charlotte Observer that Mecklenburg County would not be imposing any new coronavirus-related restrictions or guidelines, despite, this is the Charlotte Observer's sentence, despite soaring spread of the highly contagious Delta variant. More than 50% of recent Mecklenburg County COVID-19 cases are in the age groups of 18 to 39. Those age groups are less vaccinated than older age groups. So, like, that's just a lot. That's a lot of Trump supporters right there. That's what I've been told. Isn't that what we've been told? 18 to 39-year-olds. Because when I think of Trump supporters, I think 18 to 39-year-olds. Not that I'm saying 18 to 39-year-olds can't support Trump. I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, that that is not a demographic that is overly represented among the pro-Trump demographic, right? You're doing a Venn diagram of the two populations. There's not a lot of overlap there. There is some, but not a lot. Not not enough, let's say, not enough to warrant the kind of political attacks that have been directed at Trump supporters. It's almost as if it's all just hear me out. I'm just spitballing here, but it is almost as if they're just using the vaccination status as a reason to attack Trump supporters. I know. I mean, perish the thought, but it's possible. It is possible. Now, the CDC announced new mask guidelines urging even the fully vaccinated people to wear masks indoors, especially in high COVID-19 transmission areas. And that would include, well, like basically everywhere. (laughs) Because it's so contagious, everybody, right? That's what... We're supposed to believe that, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but we are led to believe we're being told by the experts, by the scientists, by the health officials that the Delta variant is super, super contagious, right? Highly contagious Delta variant. So wouldn't that be basically everywhere? Because if it's so super contagious, like, how could you take the risk? Like, well, I'm not in the orange zone. I'm in a yellow zone. Now, where in the yellow zone? I don't know. Like, I might be... Like maybe I'm like just 10 cases shy of being uh, bumped up into the next, you know, highly contagious zone. You really can't be too safe. (laughs) I don't. The messaging. These people are terrible at messaging. Are you trying to convince people not to get the vaccines? I I don't understand this. And I got to tell you, like when the lockdowns first started, I was saying to people, look, This is a new virus. We don't know what we're dealing with. And so I have to defer to the experts, to the people that have studied this stuff. I've got to defer to them. So when we did lockdowns, I was like, I don't think this is a great idea, but um, 15 days to flatten the curve, right? That's what we were told. They did the mask mandates. I don't really think that the masks work a whole heck of a lot, according to the studies that like I've gone through with John Sanders from the John Locke Foundation. Don't seem to really do a whole lot, Um, but I understand that there are other benefits associated with it, like people who should wear masks and need to wear masks. They don't feel like so stigmatized. I understand that there are some other things associated with the masks. But even then, I was like, all right, fine. You want me to wear a mask? I'll wear one to make you feel better. But I got to tell you, like, I'm at the point now I'm not I got vaccinated. I'm I'm not interested in going back to a to a mask mandate. I really am not. 
And like on this stuff, I've been sort of a moderate, sort of middle of the road. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. What do you think Governor Cooper's going to do? Mask mandate? I don't think he goes full lockdown right now, but my fear here is that this is where, this is where we're going. This is what he's looking at. And honestly, if there is a single reporter listening to me right now, first off, like I, like I said, like, what's wrong with you? Secondly, though... Please ask the governor about natural immunity and also ask him or also ask him or, or ask him um, whether or not the lockdowns caused any unnecessary or additional deaths. Because I think that is only fair if you're doing an accounting of the death count that you include that because that was part of the response and what are his thoughts? Does he, you know, does he accept any kind of you know responsibility for that? And okay, so let me rewind all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic, real quick, just to say that I supported a lot of the measures at first. Tepidly, I was like, let's see where this goes, because again, brand new virus. I was of the opinion that Congressman Greg Murphy, a doctor, that he expressed, which I agreed with when I was talking with him. He said, "We're we're building the plane while we're flying it," right? I agree with that analogy. I agreed that we are practicing battlefield medicine. This is what was conveyed to me. We have to do these extreme things because we don't know what this thing is. We need to figure out what it is, how to fight it, and we will then you know, adjust accordingly. So I'm not going to bash people for making bad calls or bad you know, choices when all you have are bad options in front of you. I get it. However, when you realize the choice you made was not the the best of the bad choices, the least bad of the choices, it is incumbent upon you to change direction and to then explain why you were wrong. You can't just change direction and then expect us to say, oh, well, okay, I guess things are different now. No, you need to explain that to people. That's one of the biggest problems here is nobody wants to say We made these decisions when we had this information. We were wrong about that. And so now we're going to do this. But nobody wants to say we were wrong. They just want to say, now we're going to do this. And it leaves everybody wondering, well, why are you shifting? Was it because you were wrong? But you don't want to say you were wrong. But by not saying it, it now makes me not trust you on your new direction that you are recommending. You're just, it's it's called the appeal to authority. The higher authority. That's what they're doing. It's an appeal to authority. It's saying, I know what I'm talking about. You don't. And none of these other you know, experts in the field, if they disagree with me, do either. And so therefore, shut up, do what I say. And it's not a way to convince people if you are actually trying to get the consent of the governed. Let me go over here to Tyler. Welcome to the show, Tyler. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Have a take on the... Uh the mask and the mask mandate that I'm not hearing anywhere. All right. So you're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I think 
probably the people who are vaccinated need to have the mask mandate more than those who are not. (laughs) If I, as a non-vaccinated person, catch COVID, you're going to know it more often than not. I'm I'm not going to be as likely to be asymptomatic. If you're vaccinated, you are going to hide all of those symptoms but remain just as contagious or infectious as as I would be. Right, but I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be killing people that are vaccinated. If you're unvaccinated and you're asymptomatic, you're walking around exposing all sorts of people to the Delta variant, which is super, super contagious. Right. But me as a vaccinated person, I'm going to be protected from you. Right. Right. But what I guess my point is, as an unvaccinated person, I'm going to not be walking around once because once I'm infected, I'm going to I'm going to have the fever. I'm going to have all the symptoms. You know, the likelihood of me being a, a asymptomatic person. Are you there, Tyler? And we lost Tyler. He went through a tunnel. Probably the tunnel there in, uh, where is he? Oh, see, I, I told you I don't need to know where they're from. And now I see Rock Hill. Whatever. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going through the tunnel. We lost his signal. Um, no, I've heard this, uh, this sentiment expressed. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it is also, uh, it's, you know, highlighting the absurd uh, form of argument. And I get it. It's because there's some logic involved there, right? Except for the fact that people who are not vaccinated do actually get COVID and are asymptomatic. Unless, of course, all that was a lie. But, uh, no, I, I assume that there are people that are asymptomatic and they are unvaccinated and they continue to go about their daily lives because they don't think it's, you know, COVID. Or what do we hear that uh, at the beginning of it all was that you are infected. You don't know you're infected until, you know, three days later or something. But by then it's too late. You've already spread it all around. Now, his point is that, well, you're vaccinated, so you don't feel anything ever. And so you're running around spreading it because um, you feel fine. But again, I should not feel any. I mean, what what it is, is it's a play on you should feel guilty that you're getting other people sick. You're not doing your part for the society. And by the way, there's a reason why the messaging was when it comes to masks. And now the same thing with the vaccines. There's a reason why it's being framed as a do it for other people. It's because that works better. Sociologically, psychologically speaking, that messaging works better. They've, I've seen the, the stories and the surveys on this stuff where if you're doing it just for yourself, like, hey, Pete, wear a mask because you want to protect yourself. Yeah. All right. Maybe I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine. You're going to have more people that react like that. But if you say, hey, Pete, wear a mask in order to protect the elderly, the infirmed, the children, right? If you're going to use it to protect other people, that is something that Americans tend to do more so than protect themselves. I mean, think of like, how often do you go to the doctor? Like guys, right? Really? Like how often are you going to the doctor? Do you go every time you get sick? No, of course not. You're like, oh, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Merely a flesh wound. That's all. Robert, welcome to the show. Hello, Robert. Hey, Pete. Enjoying your new show. Thank you, sir. Welcome to Charlotte. Thanks. I was uh, 
calling just to uh, throw some information out there. I, a lot of people may or may not have heard of the drug ivermectin. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I had COVID. A doctor friend of mine down in Louisiana able to. Uh, I've been following it for a while and, and took it once I once I was diagnosed and had a very mild case. Was that all you took? Was the ivermectin, or was it part of like a cocktail? It was a, it was a cocktail, but everything else was pretty much over the counter. Right, like the vitamin uh, D. What else yeah. do you remember? What else was was part of the the regimen? Zinc, zinc, vitamin D, a uh, couple of other things. But it was. Uh, I, I just think it's interesting how they have just pretty much shadow banned all the ivermectin. There's a Dr. Corey that testified in front of Congress, and it's like, I mean, you go search it on Google. The first thing that pops up is ivermectin doesn't work. Yeah, and yeah, Doctor Peter McCulloch. Uh, I talked about this briefly a couple of uh, days ago. You know, his testimony to the Texas Senate that was uh, looking into this. I thought was phenomenal. Uh, Doctor Zelenko has been urging people, uh, urging lawmakers, like look at the therapies that you can be giving people while they're sick uh, that can keep them out of the hospital. Because a lot of people, once they get to the hospital, that's where they die, and it's not necessarily just because of COVID. It's because they're at the hospital. All right. Uh, news is next. Stay tuned on News Talk 1110 WBT. Well, obviously, if the governor mandates um, masks, we will we will comply. We have been in lockstep with the governor's orders for um, a year now. <laughs> So we'll see what he says about that. I'm not sure that he's going to go there. And there are a number of reasons for that. One is the recommendations for CDC are specific to those counties and those areas that have significant to high risk of transmission. Mecklenburg is at high risk. But there are other counties in the state that aren't. And typically when you have that kind of situation, I I don't expect the governor to, to mandate. But we'll just have to wait and see what he does this afternoon. We will comply with the lockstep orders. <laughs> I understand. It's it's GovCo. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. Uh, I anticipate, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that Governor Cooper, uh, he's got to extend, well, first off, he has to extend his ED, the uh, emergency declaration, right? So that's the first thing. Look, people, I don't make up these acronyms. This is not mine. I made up SHIO. I went with the SHIO. I tried to make that happen. Nobody got on board. Maybe people will now. The stay home executive order. The SHIO. See, isn't that easier? And then when they changed it to the safer at home executive order, it still gets to be the SHIO. But again, nobody was on board, so that's fine. So I'm just going to stick with the... uh, Emergency declaration. He's going to re-up this thing because, of course, he is. He can't let it expire now. I mean, if he didn't let it expire all the last month or two when the case counts were below, you know, where they had been like in a year, why would he do it now? So he's got to extend the ED. And when he does that, I suspect he's going to do it for another month 
but I suspect he's going to come back and uh, he's going to say today, because this is what he would do over the last year. He would um, he would work in sort of two week increments and then he went to week increments. And so I suspect what we're going to have now is uh, is he's going to go back to these two week increments if necessary. And so in another two weeks, he'll come back and start leveling harsher and harsher edicts. And I think this one today, I'm terrible, by the way, I'm terrible at predictions. I'm just awful at it. Well, for usually for elections and for jury trials. I've learned this over my career that I'm no good at predicting elections or jury trials, and so I just don't do it. But everything else I do make predictions on. I'm, I'm generally not good at them either, but I still do them. So I think, I, I, I think he's going to issue a mask mandate, but only in the high-risk areas, and then he's going to urge everybody else to mask up. But he's not going to mandate it. He's just going to urge everybody to, to mask up. Because think about it. He's already told the school districts, essentially, like, you guys can make your own local decision, which is, ironically, the Republican position. The Republicans were arguing for this a year ago, and Cooper said no. Now, remember, his executive orders, his emergency declaration, is based on the premise that the locals are unable to address this emergency. They can't contain the virus. The virus knows no county lines and all that, right? Doesn't know the borders, which is weird because this virus is really, really smart about like a whole bunch of other things. But it doesn't see the boundaries. It doesn't see the the borders. And so he said at the time, local jurisdictions are unable to, uh, to, to craft responses to contain this thing. And so, therefore, it is a statewide emergency declaration And the state has to act. That was the premise for his executive orders and the emergency declaration. But now he is saying what? Let the locals decide. That seems a bit contradictory. A little bit. I mean, just a little bit. I know I'm I'm kind of a stickler here on logical consistencies. I understand I am. But I think it's worth a question at the news conferences that are, you know, usually, oh, I think he's going to go back to the call-in only news conferences too. I I think he has to because now you don't know. I mean, everybody that goes into those press in Raleigh, the emergency operations center. I think everybody that goes in there, right? They got to be vaccinated. They're going to be masked up. But now with the Delta variant, oh my gosh, what do we do? We got to keep everybody out again. And so then he's going to be able to limit participation in the news conferences over the phone. And that's where he really shines when he only gets questions from, uh, you know, allied media. Um, I got an email here from Lloyd who says uh, about the caller Tyler before the break. He says, if Tyler is worried about getting sick from vaccinated folks passing on the Delta variant, we don't care. (laughs) All right. Now, to be fair, in Tyler's defense, I don't think he actually was worried about getting sick from vaccinated people. I think he was just taking the vaccinated people's argument and using it against them because this is where we are now. Everybody is blaming each other for killing people and getting them sick, right? Because no one has any personal responsibility. It's everybody else's fault. So (laughs) you're to blame if I get sick. Uh, Lloyd says he has the option to get vaccinated and apparently chooses not to screw him. If that's his argument or logic for mask mandates, Why should vaccinated 
people worry about those that choose not to get vaccinated. Here's another argument. This came from, hang on, I have uh, in the stack of stuff. Hang on. Um, It was from Amanda Carpenter, who was Ted Cruz's former communications director. She's now a columnist at the Bulwark. And um, she said, if you got vaccinated and have to wear a mask, it's not because you got vaccinated. It's because your neighbors did not. Until we have a vax for 12 and under and enough people vaccinated to protect the vulnerable, the responsible folks, including school children, are going to be punished for other people's mistakes. That's the reality. Let's be very upfront about who is to blame. Who's to blame? Which was kind of the, about a decade ago, that was like the, that was the motivating uh, question for a lot of the, uh, the Charlotte Observer. All of their stories were filtered through this prism of who's to blame. Um, this, so this is uh, what Tyler's argument was pushing back on, this idea that all of us vaccinated people, we now got to mask up because of the unvaccinated people. And, oh, gosh, they ruined it for us. How dare you? It's pitting us against each other. And I think the, 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 the rationale is, hey, let's make the vaccinated people mad at the unvaxxed people. And so they pressure them into getting vaccines. It's a stupid Stupid tactic, because it's not going to work. It's not going to work. People are not going to get pressured into getting the vaccine. I think we all are pretty clear about that. So now it's just another divisive tactic, which makes you wonder, is that the purpose? Just to make it a divisive tactic. I'm I'm not going to bash people for their own decisions, but I'm also not going to care more about their health than they do, right? And I'm not going to ask them to care more about my health than I do. It's a difficult balance. Obviously, there's a there's the issue of personal rights and there's the issue of protecting the community. And public health is constantly trying to balance those two. Right now, what we're asking is for the community to help us so that we don't have to go back to the restrictions. We really the last thing I want to do is to put more restrictions out there. And that's not that's one of the reasons we're not considering a mask mandate at the moment <laughs> what we're asking is that people consider wearing masks indoors in public settings right Please. now and could that change with the vaccination status mm-hmm. right, right. and could that that was not me i was not it's not my voice pete calendar here news talk 11 wbt so that was the uh i don't want to have to turn this car around you know but i will if you don't stop messing with each other, seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. That was the uh, public health director for Mecklenburg County, Gibby Harris, during the uh, news conference yesterday. Let me go over to Joan. Thanks for hanging on, Joan. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I am doing all right. Okay, a couple issues came up while I was listening. To people were kind of repeating the same thing I was thinking about, and that is that. They're developing some sort of a class welfare between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And um, then there's that other issue about um, what, when you announce that you don't want to do something, you're not you're generally announcing you are going to do something. And you're just kind of making it like it's your fault if I have to do this, but I don't really want to do it. So that kind of reinforces the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. 
unvaccinated. But there's a bigger issue, and it has nothing to do necessarily with the culvert thing. What it has to do with the amount of disease that's sneaking in over our border that nobody's talking about the numbers, like the increases in pneumonia, polio, meningitis, measles, all these diseases that were scheduled to be eliminated in the United States and are now coming back full-fledged because these people crossing the border are not well. It's not their fault that they're not well, but they're not well. And Covert 2, and I'm using Roman numerals, Covert II has a name, and his name is Joe Biden. And he's letting these germs in. We've got to put a mask on his policies and build the wall. Then we won't have to have vaccinated versus unvaccinated. We will have the American citizens who are taking care of themselves versus those they're standing on the outside right. and applying Ex- to get in here. I, I understand. Right, so, Joan, I understand the point you're making. I understand uh, the truth of the uh, the people who are coming in that are not well. I understand that. That is true as well. Um, but you got to understand also, and you, I'm sure you do, that like if you take the uh, unauthorized immigrants out of the picture, illegal aliens, undocumented, whatever you want to call them, you take them out of this uh, equation. Americans are not getting vaccinated. About half of Americans are not getting vaccinated. So like that, that is still an issue. Yes. Right. Okay. So it's not right. So it's not, it's not an either or it's a both right Right. now. The, now, now I think what, I think what, what angers, uh, well, it, it, it angers me. And I think what, what angers a lot of people is that we are being called upon to make all sorts of sacrifices. We're being pitted against one another. People are being, you know, um, shamed and browbeaten and such. Uh, Meanwhile, the same people doing that are turning the blind eye to the very conditions that you outlined and to the very uh, conditions that they say they are trying to eliminate. So how do you stop a pandemic if you are not screening for uh, health reasons and then turning people away if they are sick or quarantining them or whatever? If you're doing catch and release, and let's be clear, that is what they're doing at the southern border. This is the preferred policy of the, you know, the elites that are running the show right now. This is their preferred policy. It was their preferred policy before Trump, and it is now after. So, you know, when someone tells you what they believe in or, you know, what they stand for, you know, just listen to them and believe them. And this is what they obviously stand for. So you, the, 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 the anger is coming from the hypocrisy, right? The disconnect in those two yeah. approaches. Yeah. I got you, Joan. I appreciate the call. Um, and it's a that's a fair criticism. The problem is that the people who are uh, exhibiting that kind of hypocrisy and inconsistent standard, no one's going to hold them to account because the people that normally should hold them to account agree with them. <laughs> right. Reporters that are covering these beats, they tend to agree with this position. Let everybody in. Let every you know. Oh, no. it's one of the things, one of the most amazing uh, stories uh, slash surveys I ever read years ago. I think it actually came from Numbers USA, where they asked people, what do you think is the um, what is an adequate? I think this was the question. What is an adequate um, immigration rate for America? What number of new arrivals? And don't worry about skilled or unskilled or anything like that. Just what number of people do you think America should take in every single year? As part of an immigration strategy. What number is that? And the numbers that people give are like generally 
well, you know, 200,000, 300,000, 500,000. But America takes in legally over a million. And when people find that out, it's like, oh, my gosh, well, wait a minute. I think that's a good number. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> we don't need we don't need to do like because when, when you start arguing, what's the old uh, what's the old analogy here? Like we've already d- determined what you are. Now we're just haggling over the price. Right. Like this is the argument. It's not it's not a pro or anti, although I do know there are some people that say, yes, close the borders. And there are other people that are like, well, completely open them up for everybody. But most people are in the middle. Most people say. We want a rational system. We want a way, you know, when you're coming in, sign the guest book, basically, right? We, we want that kind of a system. And um, then you're just arguing over the number. And just because you arrive at a number of 200,000 and I arrive at a number of, you know, a million doesn't make you a racist. But that's the nature of our discourse <laughs> in America where, well, we disagree on the number. And so, therefore, you're the most horrible person that ever walked, uh, walked the planet. Uh, let me go to Chuck here. Welcome to the program, Chuck. I have about a minute for you, but it is all yours. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of conjecture about the COVID and the increase lately. I want to throw a log on the fire. In June, approximately 180,000 came across the border illegally. CNN has put out some numbers. 20 to 25% have been tested positive for COVID, either symptomatic or asymptomatic. And that's about 40,000. Now, these people are not going out and buying two dollars and $300,000 houses, and their living conditions are with usually other people, either families, relatives, group homes. And what about you take another factor and throw it in there, contact quarantine, where they're coming in contact with, let's say, four or five people in these families, and who knows how many they're coming in contact with. And you're looking at about 150,000 people, new cases, that are contributing to the rise. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen anything on the demographics. So I could be all wet, and the numbers could be off, but uh, I'm playing the numbers game. No, I hear you, Chuck. It is a, it's a rational and logical question to ask. And it doesn't make you racist for thinking of that. It doesn't make you anti-immigrant for thinking in these terms. You're logically taking the arguments that the health officials and politicians have been making themselves for over a year. In fact, there was a big campaign, right, for outreach in North Carolina about a year ago, right along those lines. I think we are in one of those periods. The, the question that and the, the answer that we don't have is how high is the spike going to go and how long is it going to last? We're watching what's happening in other countries who are ahead of us to see if that gives us any information, but that doesn't necessarily mean what we're going to see here. Unfortunately, our numbers have been going up fairly rapidly. We are nowhere near where we were in January, which is great news, but we are seeing those numbers go up. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. That was the uh, Mecklenburg Public Health Director, Gibby Harris, at a news conference yesterday. Uh, She said she's not ready to issue a countywide mask mandate yet. Yet. The Charlotte Observer got a comment from the uh, from a couple different mayors uh, who were like, well, we'll just wait and see. And, you know, we're we're totally on board. And Huntersville Mayor John Anarella, though, 
says that uh, he would not support another mask mandate from either Gibby Harris or Governor Cooper. And he said vaccinated residents should not be penalized. Quote, you're trying to tell people that the thing to do is to get vaccinated and then you can go about your way of life and be normal. And then you're telling people that you still need to put a mask on. I don't think that's the right message to send, he said. I I agree with Mayor Anarella. And I'm just wondering, like, I, I don't I don't feel like I need to comply. I don't. I, I don't feel like I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to comply with this. And I don't know what that means for me. I don't. I don't know what that means for me. Because generally speaking, I'm not a get in your face kind of person. Well, I mean, in person. Like I will, I will, you know, talk to a wall and call people all sorts of things. Are you going to be doing the show from jail from a couple a couple of days from now? <laughs> Do you still have your comrex? <laughs> That's right. The uh, the jailhouse tapes. Uh, no, I, I, This is because this has been my approach. But I've also had the luxury for the last year and a half. Um, I I did a podcast, and I my my commute was you know twenty feet. I walked from the bedroom into the uh, second bedroom and I would work in there all day long and I would crank out the podcast. I do these interviews and, you know, Christy went to work and, uh, you know, then she would come home and I'd be like, ah, get out, you diseased person. No, but uh, no, she would go to work. She was in a very small office and a lot of people weren't going in there. And so it just didn't seem like I saw a lot of this stuff going on, but I didn't have to work. Like I'm here now and I have a mask. Like I had to search. Oh my gosh, where's the wears a mask because you got to wear the mask in the hallway. And maybe I, I think I, I think I'm spoiled. I think I got spoiled. I like I would go out to stores every now and again. And uh, during the last year and a half, and I would put the mask on because everybody was wearing the mask and it, you know, okay, fine. I don't want to cause trouble with anybody. And the businesses are all like, we have to do it. And I understand why they went to government to get the mandates because there were these, interactions occurring, right, where the business owner or employees were telling customers, you can't come in here without a mask, and the customers were saying, screw you, I don't need a mask. And so then they got the government to say, got to have a mask. And now the businesses and the employees could tell the customers, it's not our fault. Government is making us do this. We would totally not care. But, of course, they would care. But we would totally not care. I mean, again, I've been in Asheville, okay, they are like, they're shell shot. There's like PTSD going on up there with the um, with the masking and the the uh, you know, people are terrified of COVID, like all over the place. You got people calling into the city council meetings and stuff, just terrified. And there's a there's a lot of that here too. Um, and I I just I never really I was like, all right, I'll wear the mask because. You're the business owner. You you say you want people to mask up to come in. I'll do that. But now, like, dude, I took an experimental vaccine, so I didn't have to wear the mask. <laughs> and now you're telling me I do? I'm out. I'm out. And I don't know what this is going to look like. I really don't. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think it through, and I, you know, I guess I'm going to get fined. I don't know. I guess there's going to be like a whole, I'm going to have to go shop with the unvaccinateds, the unvaxxed. We need to come up with some names, like all good sci-fi movies. You know, they've got names for the different groups and stuff. So I don't want to be like derogatory, like unvaxxed. I think that would be, 
the clean, <laughs> the vaccinated, I would be a member of the clean, but I hang with the unvaxxed. All right, let me go over here to the phones and get Mike on. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am all right. Uh, I'm kind of against this vaccine. See, I had COVID. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I've had the flu that was worse. How do you know you had COVID, by the way? Because I was tested for it. And so so with the uh, the PCR test or the antibody, the antigen tests? Well, it was, it was a test at the doctor's office. Did they jab something up your nose or did they take blood? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the PCR test. You know that they're not necessarily accurate. Well, well, let me tell you, when I had it, I had a, a fever. Uh, I was a little bit nauseous and I felt like crap. So, I mean. <laughs> you, okay. So you had symptoms also. And then, yeah. okay, all right. So, well, all right. So, let's assume that you had it. So, I would assume you've got natural immunity to it. I do have natural immunity. I would also, uh, but I now give, there's a doctor out of. I give blood platelets. I give blood platelets right. every two weeks, and so far I've been I've had platelets. I mean, I've had the antibodies. Right. They keep testing it with the platelet donations. Yeah. Right. So my thing is this: if the government, you know, they need to step back. And realize that, you know, I've been taking care of myself for almost 70 years. <laughs> and I don't need them telling me yeah. that I have to get a shot. Well, you made it I this long. Sounds like you've got a good idea of how, of how to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I do. Um, and I'm not afraid of this this thing, uh, this COVID. I'm not afraid of it. I, I'm, I refuse to live in, a, in, a, in an attitude of fear. God mm-hmm. didn't make me to live like that. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if I that is sort that. of the dividing line. I do wonder if there's uh, if there's something to that, the, it, sort of a, a natural inclination towards fear versus acceptance. Or uh, and I do also wonder about uh, you know the the role of faith because I see these you know numbers where it's like twenty five percent of evangelicals say they're not going to get the shot, even though that's actually a lower percentage than uh, like young people age eighteen to like twenty five or something that haven't gotten vaccinated. So I do wonder if if there is a faith component. If you know people believe that their rewards are later, that this is not really. It's not a like you're not going to convince them. Hey, go do this thing or else you might die. Because if like you die, like you're going to be in heaven. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, not a compelling but message. The one thing that people have to understand is that. Uh, whether you're a uh, Baptist or whether you're a Catholic, whether you're Episcopalian or whatever, you have been appointed a time to die. God knows when that is, and there is absolutely nothing you can do to change that. You're going to die when it's your time. So whether it be by COVID or whether it be like by somebody running me over with a car, it doesn't matter. Well, but that's now be careful with that argument, Mike, because that then puts you in line for the argument that, well, why don't you just run red lights? This is I've seen this argument made by um, generally people on the left towards the religious community. And they say, well, why don't you just, you know, run through red lights? And it'll, it'll you know, keep Boomer in, uh, in it'll keep Boomer with a job. See, that was going to be my segue, Ryan, <laughs> my segue. Who's running the red lights, Boomer? Make me the Undertaker one. <laughs> like the rats are the Undertaker. Get the music and everything going on.
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Just saw this. Washington, D.C. going to start requiring masks indoors beginning Saturday. In the last 28 days, though, D.C. has had four deaths. In the last month, it's had fewer than 60 hospitalized COVID patients. That is the lowest since the pandemic began. And it is about 85% lower than its top peak in January. If you want me to believe that you are following the science, then I would expect some logical consistency. But that's just me. Like, what do I know? Right? Um... New recommendations from federal health officials this week on when vaccinated Americans should don face masks came with a startling bolt of news, says the Washington Post. People who have had their shots and become infected with the Delta variant of the coronavirus can harbor large amounts of virus, just like unvaccinated people. That means they could become spreaders of the disease and should return to wearing masks indoors in certain situations, including when vulnerable people are present. This is the information that this all is coming from. This is the new information. But the CDC did not publish the new research. In the text of the updated masking guidance, the agency cited CDC COVID-19 response team unpublished data 2021. Some outside scientists have their own message. Quote, show us the data. Greg Gonsalves, an associate professor at the Yale School of Public Health, said, quote, they're making a claim that people with Delta who are vaccinated and unvaccinated people have similar levels of viral load. But nobody knows what that means. And it is meaningless unless we see the data. This is the Washington Post. This is not some science denying right wing rag. The data is supposed to be, quote, published imminently so soon hasn't been published according to a federal official knowledgeable about the research but who was not authorized to be a spokesperson for the government quote these data were alarming and recently presented we saw the data and thought it was urgent enough to act in the context of a steeply rising preventable fourth surge of covid19 because tests showed similar levels of virus in the vaccinated and unvaccinated the cdc inferred that the Delta variant can be transmitted by people with breakthrough infections. But they don't actually know that, apparently. This hasn't been, what's the scientific word for it? Proven! Hasn't been proven. They're not even giving access to the data yet. I'm not on board, guys. You do not have my consent. I don't know what that means yet. Jerry, welcome to the show. Hello, Jerry. Hello. Hey. Hey, my name is Jerry Kelly. Hello, Jerry. And, um, I was I immigrated to this wonderful country in 1986 from from Ireland. So um, I have a lot of information, and because of family members, and through this whole COVID deal, they have not even been allowed to go to church, mm. play golf, and they can't even go to the bar to get a drink. And in Ireland, so, so recently things have have gotten a little better. Okay. And my sister, who is who will turn sixty in September, has booked a flight to come here to visit me. And it it has just come to my attention that she cannot visit here, which is the most hypocritical thing I have ever heard in my life. 
So is she being blocked from visiting by Ireland or by America? By America. Ah, okay. Biden supposedly had a travel proclamation signed, and the Republic of Ireland is on that list. Because? Now, in the meantime, the airlines will take her, took her money. And, and, and she is fully vaccinated. And it just makes me sick to think that our borders are open. Yeah. But people that want to come and visit for 10 days are told they can't come here. It's always, this has always been the most frustrating, inconsistent, and hypocritical aspect of the immigration debate, which is that the people who try to do it correctly and by the law, by the book, they're the ones that get screwed over every single okay. time. There is even some clauses in there that if, she is a, if, if you have a sibling that's under a certain age that they can come and visit. But the fact that my sister is 60 years old, she doesn't meet that criteria. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jerry, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, welcome to America, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. I, pre- yeah, I appreciate the call, Jerry. Uh, let me go over to oh, Ann Josie. Yes, yeah, huh? Okay, and Josie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great show. Thank you. Oh, I want to tell you that I'm in the deep south, and we don't pay much attention to the people that's grumbling about the shot, and we don't don't want anything between our blacks and whites. We love them; they're great neighbors. But you mention a politician, we're ready to fight. Every one of us. So, <laughs> so you're unified. So <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Ann Josie. I appreciate it. There, that's the great, uh, the great unifying uh, effect of politicians. The um, the question about viral loads. This is from the Washington Post story. The question about viral loads is among the many unknowns surrounding SARS-CoV-2 including the frequency of breakthrough infections and whether they play a significant role in the recent rise of cases. This is, this is still up for debate. This is still in question. We've got people moving on this right now. We've got local governments and officials moving on this. And from what I understand, I don't listen, but from what I understand, I think that this is mainly coming from NPR. I, like, I, have, I think I have been able to narrow this down, that it's coming from NPR. The people who are like when they're not like, I I don't know. Do you still get the tote bags? Because they could be COVID infected, right? You never know. But this is coming from like this demand that the vaccinated mask up. And I think it is because they believe that everyone they see not wearing a mask is not vaccinated and it drives them nuts. Okay. Drives them more nuts, right? Drives them more insane. They see people, they're like, they're not vaccinated. They're lying. They're really sick. They've got the COVID, I can tell, and they're not wearing a mask. I know they're not vaccinated. And so how do you defeat that, right? How do you know that everybody around you is going to be safe for you? I would say you can't ever know that, but how do you know this, right, if you're an NPR listener? I'm just kidding about it. It's coming from all sorts of sources, but NPR seems to radiate this a lot. Um, Well, you just make everybody wear a mask because those people with, you know, the unclean, the unvaxxed, they're not wearing a mask. They should be wearing a mask and they're not doing it. They should be and they're not. So, all right, pass a law. We all have to wear masks because that'll make them wear masks.
I suspect this is part of the motivation. Because if you've got the Washington Post telling you right now that they don't have the data, that this is all still in question, and, oh, yeah, get this, the study that they cite has not been peer-reviewed, which is kind of important. But they're like, oh, this is just so important. You know what it reminds me of? The modeling. Oh, guess what? This is actually modeling, too. (laughs) So, right, so trick me once. Shame on you. Trick me twice. Now, I'm not saying that they tricked me, but their information was not entirely accurate, which I understand is difficult to do the modeling. That's what I've heard. An old girlfriend in college told me that that's very difficult. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I don't I, I don't know how to do any of the modeling. I don't know what makes some good and bad. I just know that uh, this is apparently part of that whole uh, soup of the modeling. And I have a very low opinion about the credibility and veracity of those things. All right. News is next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Washington Post reports that although the Delta variant is more than twice as transmissible as the earlier variants, it does not have some of the mutations seen in other variants that can help the virus evade antibodies. That's important. It's twice as transmissible, but it does not have the mutations that help the virus evade antibodies, which means what? It's not as deadly. It's not as deadly. But the Delta variant floods the zone, they say. It grows so quickly in the nose that it may be overwhelming the body's vaccine-enhanced defenses before the immune system can marshal a robust response, according to William Hanage, 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 I think is how he pronounces it. Anyway, an epidemiologist at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. The immune response, he says, once activated, takes a while to kick in, even among people who have been vaccinated. As a result, if the as a result, if the virus can copy itself really quickly, it might be able to get a few rounds of replication in, even in vaccinated folks, before the immune system brings it under control. It might be able to get a few rounds of replication in. The Singapore Ministry of Health recently found that three quarters of coronavirus cases in the past four weeks were in people who were fully or partially vaccinated, most with no or mild symptoms. And in India, vaccinated healthcare workers showed high viral loads when infected with the Delta, according to a study from the University of Cambridge. Uh, these researchers, though, uh, this uh, study has not yet been peer-reviewed, which seems pretty important. The senior author of that study, microbiologist Ravindra Gupta, said the infectivity of people 
with breakthrough infections has, quote, not been formally measured in a rigorous way, which again seems pretty important. Um, she says the new research shows high viral loads in people with breakthrough Delta infections, and that suggests vaccinated people should wear masks. Research by Chinese scientists posted online and not yet peer-reviewed, which seems kind of important, describes the stunning ability of the Delta variant to replicate in the human body. The viral load from the Delta is a thousand times that detected in the earliest variants of the virus. It's about 10 times the viral load sparked by the Alpha variant, which was first seen in the UK, which, by the way, their their hospitalization numbers, they're like way down. They're dropping. All their case numbers, everything is dropping right now. And I have a question. Again, not a scientist, just a radio guy. What do I know? But if the viral load from the Delta is a thousand times that uh, uh, higher than that detected in the earliest variants of the virus, why aren't people dying in like numbers a thousand times greater than they were? Shouldn't we be seeing some sort of massive spike, like times a thousand? That would be pretty noticeable, I think. Don't you think? I'm pretty sure that would like register on the radar here, <laughs> on the dashboards that uh, all of these health agencies are keeping. The Washington Post concludes here. These post-vaccination infections have often been described by the CDC director Walensky and other medical experts as rare. Rare. The, so the breakthrough vaccines, they're rare. How rare is unclear, which seems pretty important. News reports of people getting sick after vaccination have been common in recent weeks, which doesn't tell me anything. Doesn't tell me anything because the media axiom is that if you're not scared, I'm not doing my job. That's where we are. Fear sells. Don't believe me. You don't have to believe me. This has been the case, though, for 40 years in media. Nobody buys a newspaper from a kid on a corner screaming. Well, nobody buys newspapers like really anymore. I mean, that's. Yes, that's that's true. Nobody buys a newspaper from All right, that was a delayed rib shot, but better late than never. The nobody buys a newspaper from a kid on a corner screaming, "Absolutely nothing happened today." Right? Media has been doing this forever. If you're not scared about the flooding, then you're scared about the droughts. If you're not scared about the droughts, then oh my gosh, it rained again, but that means we got mosquitoes and that means West Nile virus. There's always something to be afraid of because it's the way they hook you in the tease when they're teasing their coverage for the show that's going to be on at 5, 530 and 6. Why would I watch that? To watch the good news? To watch like cute puppy videos? No, I can get that on YouTube anytime I want. I want to see the stuff that, oh my gosh, I have to watch or else I might not get this information and I could die. Jerry Seinfeld did a bit on Saturday Night Live 20 years ago where it was just him and this other co-anchor and they were doing like a fake newscast and they just kept on teasing like all of these things that were going to kill you, but they would give you more information later. But first, and then they would turn to the other one and then they would say something like, this household thing could kill you right now. Details in a minute, but first, and then they toss it back to the other anchor and they would give some similar kind of tease. So this is why I cannot believe media telling me that, oh, my gosh, this is really serious. Oh, my gosh, this is really serious. 
Because I don't believe you that when you tell me that this is really serious because you've been crying wolf for 40 years on everything. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. I'm great. I hope you're well. I'm so far so <clears throat> um, good. You've kind of uh, stolen my thunder with, yes! uh, with all this stuff from the Post, but that's okay. Let me play into it. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at a transcript of the uh, from the press conference of the CDC director on Tuesday. Okay. And uh, she she uses some, you already mentioned one of them. She uses some pretty imprecise wiggle room terms. Uh, she says, uh, information indicates, I'm, I'm chopping this up a little bit, mm-hmm. that in rare occasions, some vaccinated people infected with the Delta variant after vaccination may be contagious and spread the virus to others. So since when do we make public policy responsibly on the basis of rare occasions, some and maybe? Always. Yeah. Always. <laughs> that is, I mean, honestly, too often, let's say, way too often. Yeah. The, the, all of those, all of the wiggle room words that they put in there, I would like to believe and give them the benefit of the doubt that they are doing it because they're not sure and they're trying to communicate that uncertainty. But yeah, after the know, last year and a half, I don't believe that they've earned that benefit of the doubt any longer. Bingo. In the early days, we were willing to give them a break because they were trying to figure it out. Right. But they've been playing hide the ball with data for a year plus now, right? Right. On a lot of this and, stuff, uh, I think what North Carolina, I think I mentioned this the other day, they're like five months trailing in some of the in some of these uh, uh, death tallies like again if you want me to if you want my consent for this stuff then i need more transparency i need more data i need more debate and and frankly it's not inspiring confidence in your position um or your argument when you go to you know facebook and tell them hey we want you to take down certain uh pieces of information and posts because uh it's problematic and we don't want to be spreading that information and then you get people who are doctors and experts that are like whoa 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 we disagree with some of this stuff and their uh posts are being deleted that does not inspire confidence it does not make me persuadable to your position News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got a tweet, at Pete Callender. That's the Twitter. It's where all the fun happens. Well, I mean, aside from here. Tracy says, Pete, the Mecklenburg School Board is meeting in the morning. Can you talk about that today? Why morning and why not the normal day? Because it's an emergency. It has to happen right now. Right now. It's got to be early in the morning when everyone's at work and they can't come and express their opposition. No, CMS, as you heard uh, on the news there from Brett Jensen, that there's this email that went out to the principals from uh, Ernest Winston, the superintendent. That's still so weird to me. He was just a reporter when I knew him. Okay. Superintendent sends this email out to all the principals saying, going to be recommending masks for all K-12 students. That's where it's going. Because they can't get vaccinated. Well, some of them can, I guess, in like the upper grades, But this is apparently going to be the recommendation that goes to the school board. I suspect the school board will go along with it. Now, what's interesting here is that the teachers unions, both of them now, have come out uh, against uh, the the mandatory vaccination idea at the federal level. 
So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of that. I'm not involved, you know, in the uh, the Democrat versus Democrat, the the hot D on D action there. I'm not uh, I'm not privy to any of the details. They don't really loop me in <laughs> on what's going on there. But yes, I suspect that the meeting was. Um, I mean, I'm sure that well, I'm sure there will be legitimate reasons for why it was scheduled for Friday morning. But there's also the added benefit of you know keeping the number of people limited as to who could attend, right? I'm sure that's just a, it's just gravy. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you doing, Steve? Uh, I'm good. How are you? All right. Uh, listen, I have a, an example concerning my dad. Uh, my dad was one of these who uh, was farm strong, okay? He could do prodigious feats of strength that <laughs> just would boggle my mind. Mm-hmm. But uh, he eventually got, uh, in the last few years, uh, COPD related to uh, emphysema. Mm. And uh, the last month, within the last month, he went into the hospital and uh, they diagnosed him with uh, pneumonia on top of the COPD. And after about the second day in the hospital, I told my wife, I said, he's, he's not coming out. He just looked defeated. And that was not my dad. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, uh, Within a couple of days, they had to put him in in uh, critical care. Yeah, and they were had him on 100 percent oxygen, and he just barely was getting enough oxygen to to keep him alive. And uh, they were talking about having to put him on on the dialysis. But when when it became apparent that he wasn't going to survive, then and only then did they diagnose him with COVID. He didn't have COVID, not once. Did the hospital, and it's an area hospital. Not once did uh, they ask us to wear a mask when we were around him. Not once did they show any concern until they realized that he wasn't going to survive. And my contention is that they wanted to get a little extra money, and they want to pad the statistics. And if it happened in Dad's case, it's happening in others. Uh, that's that's my firm belief. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying they didn't take good care of him because they did. Mm-hmm. They were very kind and they were very attentive. But they're also looking after their bottom line. Yeah, and I, and I have no response um, for the anecdotal data, right? Like, if that is occurring in your dad's case, then how can I say it doesn't occur in others? So I, I there, there's nothing that I can say to dispel that because... It would require an investigation, obviously. Um, right. I can say that I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about your loss, but, I mean, I know your dad would have, you know, he'd prefer that he goes before you, right? Oh, uh, no. No, I can promise you he would not want to have continued the way he was going. Right. He, he Before he went into the hospital, he couldn't walk 10 feet yeah. without having to stop and catch his breath, you know. Yeah. And that's, that just was not my dad. He was... One who, if he didn't have something to do, he would invent something to do, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, uh, honestly, he was a work, he just loved work. Yeah. And he had projects going on constantly uh, until his health failed him. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? You, you know, you, when you got a situation like that, it's so easy to say that it was COVID. Who's going to doubt it? Well, yeah, especially they, respiratory they related. We, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, except when you see him every day, you know, and and you watch this happening, and it was just so 
you know, at the very last minute, all of a sudden he has COVID, and then they start, you know, COVID protocols. Yeah. But it's not worth it to me to try to, you know, figure out what's going on or whatever. If that's, I mean, to try to garner proof, because how would you ever do it? Right. And and that's the other thing, too, is you end up with a uh, and I appreciate the call and I'm sorry for your loss, Steve. But I I I do wonder if like, yeah, you do the test. It comes back positive, the antibody test or whatever. uh, And they find out, okay, yeah, he does actually have it in his system. But did he get it at the hospital where he had to go for the treatment for the other thing? This is one of the things I remember talking to a doctor early on in all of this. And they were saying, if you can keep people out of the hospital, they got a better chance of living for a variety of reasons. But, uh, you know, one of the reasons is that if you have COVID and you get to the hospital, chances are it's pretty bad. So the idea is to try to keep people out of the hospital by, you know, by almost whatever means necessary. And this was an argument for, um, you know, treatments beforehand, because this idea uh, that you get a, you, you start feeling sick and you, especially at the beginning, you call up the doctor and they were like, well, we're not seeing any patients and join us on a Zoom call. And what are your symptoms? OK, well, you got covid. Stay home for two weeks, self-isolate, <clears throat> drink plenty of uh, fluids and eat some vitamin D. And, and if you don't die in two weeks. Then you're cured, you're you're over it, you can come out like what kind of like what kind of advice is that, though, really for for people like you're just going to go home and sit alone in isolation and wonder if you're going to die tomorrow. Do we treat anybody else that way? Is there another ailment that's out there or disease or something that is treated that way? I'm not aware of it. I thought doctors treat the symptoms, but then, you know, you know what this reminds me of? And I was actually sitting in this very, well, not the very chair, but at this position at this table. And it was probably now 10 years ago, 15 years ago, actually. There was a doctor, Jemsek was his name. And he was run out of the state because of Lyme disease, because he treated people with Lyme disease. And he treated their symptoms. And they took his license from him because the insurance company said, you can't be prescribing this kind of stuff because the official sanctioned, the endorsed regimen of treatment is two weeks of antibiotics, and that's it, right? You get two-week course, that's it, you're done, you're cured of Lyme disease. And he was seeing people that were coming in, and they had this, like, long-term uh, symptoms from Lyme. And he would treat them. This was a guy who was, like, he he was renowned for treatment in HIV, AIDS, uh, uh, in, in the fight against HIV and AIDS. And he starts seeing people, so he starts treating them. Because he doesn't know what he doesn't know. He doesn't know that he wasn't supposed to be treating them this other way. And then he gets in trouble for it. I keep thinking about that case, that story. During this entire pandemic, I keep thinking about that case. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. This was what Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, said on ABC the other day. He said, conservatives are willing to be vaccinated, but not indoctrinated. They don't respond well to being ordered to do something. He says, I doubt Democrats would either were at Donald Trump doing the ordering. 
They don't want to hear from politicians, people who had COVID and a medical community uh, and the medical community can convince them. People who had COVID and the medical community can convince people. Right? This is what is funny. And then Margaret Hoover was like, well, how about we just don't call it a mandate? Uh, but we're going to make it mandatory, but just don't call it a mandate. <laughs> we'll trick them. We'll tell them they have to do it, but it's not a mandate. Those stupid people, they won't even realize it. <laughs> this is like, guys, really, we can hear you. You're on television saying these things. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, all of it. Let me go to the phones here. Natalie, welcome to the show. Hello, Natalie. Hi. Hey. Um, thanks for what you do, and I'm a lifelong listener to WBT. Well, thanks. Um, I want to put a shout out to all the individuals that have natural immunity. I don't think it's discussed enough. And I feel like if you've been um, exposed and recovered from COVID, that your body is smart, your immunity is intelligent, and it's created an immunity and a resistance and a protection. And um, I feel like a year ago that um, it was discussed that um, we need to reach herd immunity with those that receive the vaccination and those that have recovered from COVID and those two equal herd immunity. And for some reason now, we're not hearing anything about herd immunity or natural immunity. It's not in the equation. I'm not hearing it from the government, the media, um, employers, and my employer is pushing a vaccination, and they're not telling me that I'm going to become more immune if I get the vaccination after having natural immunity. Right. There's by the by the numbers given to us by North Carolina DHHS, the number of people with natural immunity should be somewhere around one million. Yeah. And when you count that with the people who have been vaccinated. We're somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 percent vaccinated, which is darn near close to herd immunity. Correct. And right. And so now I will also tell you that there's a doctor out of Johns Hopkins, Dr. Marty McCary, and uh, he says natural immunity is durable. Researchers from Washington University in St. Louis reported last month that 11 months after a mild infection, immune cells were still capable of producing protective antibodies, and the authors concluded that prior COVID infection induces a robust and long-lived humoral immune response, leading some scientists to suggest that natural immunity is probably lifelong. Now, what he says is um, he recommends that if you had COVID, um, I believe he says that he recommends that um, my clinical advice to healthy patients with a natural immunity is that one shot is sufficient and maybe not even necessary if they were infected previously. That's the uh, were you if you know if you were infected, should you get vaccinated? And his response is, if you're healthy and you got natural immunity, one shot's probably enough for you, and maybe mm-hmm. not necessary. But if you want to get it, you can get one shot and you'll be okay. So. You don't hear that being expressed by anybody. And this is a Johns Hopkins doctor. Exactly. And if you go home and do your own research, you hear comments in some of the studies. The recent studies at um, these medical universities, and they're saying they hope that the vaccine is as strong as the natural immunity. That's the goal. But the natural immunity is the, you know, the epitome of immunity. 
Um, and then you hear that, yes, it could last a lifetime. It could, mm. I mean, you hear, yeah. you hear, you hear studies saying 17 years or more. Um, and then we're not hearing it in the media. We're not hearing it from the government. And our employers are now pushing a vaccine that might not help us and could possibly harm us. So the, the question, though, is how sure are you that you had COVID? That's the that's the key question now. And there the, because there are a lot of people that I have heard over the last year and they say say things like, uh, you know, oh, I felt kind of sick and, um, you know, I never went in. I never got you know officially tested. The doctor just, you know, diagnosed me over Zoom and said I had covid probably stay home for two weeks. Well, did that person actually have covid? And then you ask, well, did you go get like an antibody test? No, they haven't. They just, you know, they assume they had it. Well, that's that that doesn't. That, that doesn't inspire confidence for me. Like, you yeah, got to go sure, get a test. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, if you've been tested, you're in the system. My whole family's in the system. They have our names, and we have a positive test next to us because we had two or three tests done, and we were all positive. We all did well, you know, and so, um, and we have good immunity, immunity. We don't get sick typically, so, you know, but like I said, I, no one's telling me, an employer is telling me to get a vaccine, but they're not telling me that it's actually going to make me more immune. Right, no, it's just for life ability purposes exactly. it seems like yeah exactly natalie i appreciate the call thank you i appreciate you all right take care yeah i uh, think let me see here i remember monica sent me a message yeah um monica sent me a message a little while ago said there's also risk compensation a vaccinated person is no longer following protocols i an unvaccinated person still have to follow protocols to keep pristine <laughs> yeah well i mean that is the thing I, as a vaccinated one, one of the one of the pristines, I don't follow the protocols that I used to before I was vaccinated. And there are people who are unvaccinated who aren't following them either. And I think that is what's prompting a lot. Look, I've said a lot of hysterical reaction from people. Here's 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 where I kind of it crystallized for me in my mind. I was at a grocery store up in Western North Carolina earlier in the pandemic, the mask mandate was in place. So I'm walking through, it was like maybe my second or third time through the grocery and I'm, uh, I've got the mask on and I saw somebody without a mask. And my first reaction when I saw them was where's their mask. And I caught myself because I didn't even really care. (laughs) I caught myself and thought, this is my reaction. And I don't even really care if they have a mask or not. What about the people who do care? What about those people? Like, if that's my reaction, they must be going insane. And it turns out they did. I was right. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but not really. Uh, 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. Wonder. News Talk 1110993 WBT. I am almost loath to do this, but if you get a chance, go check out Steakum. Yes, the, the pressed meat product. Um, they have a Twitter thread today. 
They say it's time to talk about societal distrust in experts and institutions, the rise of misinformation, cultural polarization, and how to work towards some semblance of mutually agreed upon information before we splinter into irreconcilable realities. Science, the term, has been politicized. Not the process of it, as that process has evolved on issues both public and private institutions have taken inspiration from it, but those decisions are are still driven by economic and political interests, which muddy how the term is used. Distrust in institutions is complex. It's accelerated by people's access to infinite information, credible sources being paywalled, corruption, honest mistakes, propaganda. But underneath it all is a cultural polarization dating back decades that won't be solved overnight. It's a very, dare I call it, beefy thread. Well, they did. And um, if you're on the Twitter machine, you can go check them out at Stakeum. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad Twitter is now. That the pressed meat product is uh, more philosophically intelligent about current events than the people whose job it is to be intelligent about current events. Let me get over here to Mark. Welcome to the show. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hey, Pete. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I, uh, I got a comment, maybe a question, it's in, and I'm sure this has been addressed at some talk show at some point, but we can all agree that the, that the people that have been vaccinated can are susceptible to getting COVID again, but in most cases, you're either atypical or very mild symptoms, correct? I believe so, yes. Okay, so that would lead me to believe that if I, um, if, if being vaccinated, I started getting a cold-like symptoms, I'm not going to run out to my doctor, and I'm not going to run out to a testing facility because I know that ultimately what I'm doing is I'm fueling the government's numbers. And now if I start getting to a point where I can't, you know, where I have difficulty breathing, Mm -hmm. then yes, I'm going to seek medical attention, but I refuse. And I had a little something last week and I almost, you know, I don't know. And and I don't, I don't care. It's I, I'm not going to fuel their numbers since I've already been vaccinated, and and I'd really love to know of of these. You know, where, what are we at to today? Around two thousand new cases. Of those two thousand cases, how many of those are breakout cases? It's this is the thing. Like this data is the the collection of the data where it's even being collected is not peer reviewed. It's all couched in the mites and the maybes and such, and. We don't treat any other disease like this or any other virus or, or we don't treat anything else like this at this point. You know, like, I think this is now endemic, right? It's gone from pandemic to endemic. It's it's with us and it will continue to be so. And I think just like with most viruses, it becomes more contagious, but less deadly. And that seems to be the case with this Delta variant, because it, they keep saying more and more contagious. Oh, it's highly contagious. It's highly contagious. But they never say it's highly deadly. It's more deadly than the other one. They don't. They're not saying that. Right. Right. And and my last thing I'll let you go is just the fact that I'm not I'm not going to push anything. All I'm going to do is say, but the the unvaccinated people. I'm not angry with them. That's mm-hmm. their choice. Right. I had my I had my reasons why I did it, and 
Um, and if I have to suffer consequences down the road, then so be it. But I think that the masses of us that are vaccinated and if they do a mask mandate, I'm not putting another mask on my face. Right. I, I won't do it. And if if the store doesn't want me to come in, then they don't get my money. I think I, uh, so. I, I think I'm coming around to that position, too. I, I mean, seriously, like I don't because I don't know any other way to respond to what I believe to be kind of ridiculous edicts that are being conjured up around this data. Um, I, I, here's the thing. People who have decided to get vaccinated, like it sounds like you did and I did. Right. So people who have decided to get vaccinated, first off. You're welcome, everybody who's not vaccinated. You're welcome because I like I did this. And like if we're going to have these long term clinical trials, you need people like me and Mark to put themselves through this. And like you said, there may be something 20 years down the road that we get hit with and we die from it. Um, But what we are doing is important. On the other hand, thank you to all the unvaccinated people because you're the control group. And if you guys are not going to get vaccinated and you die, well, then I'm going to know I made the right decision. (laughs) So, like, we're all playing a role here. And I'm not I'm just I'm not going to buy into this um, this this passion play, this demand that I somehow attack people because they've made a different choice on the vaccines. I'm not going to do it. And we all need to just stand up and unite in the fact of not taking this anymore and don't let them control, you know, this, you know, I'm not going to go off on these, you know, liberties thing. Right. But I'm just, I'm not doing it. Right. And I feel like if the masses don't do it, then retailers are going to understand that. And, you know, and they're going to, and they'll react accordingly. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate the call, Mark. I, I wonder also, we've seen the stories about the massive wealth uh, shift that went from mom and pop small businesses to the major corporations. They did pretty well during the pandemic. A lot of small outlets, a lot of small uh, uh, stores, I should say, did not. Right. Well, maybe small businesses, maybe they could, I don't know, make accommodations for people. And that becomes where, you know, that that's where people who are refusing to comply with mask mandates, maybe that's where they go. I don't, and look, I recognize that like I've only been on the air here for four days. But what I am saying and how I am saying it right now is very different than what I have been saying for the last year. It is uh, to the extent of the masks. My again, my my position on the mask was always like I'm skeptical of a lot of the quote stuff. Well, I shouldn't say quote studies because there are studies. But I've done enough interviews with John Sanders from the John Locke Foundation. We went over the two dozen studies that informed Governor Cooper. And the Department of Health and Human Services in their decision to issue the mask mandate. We went through every single one of those studies. And none of them, none of them were persuasive to lead us to the conclusion that we needed the kind of mask mandate that he did. And even after all of that, I said, well, you know what, if I'm going out to a store and they've got the mask mandate, I'll comply with it because it'll make them feel okay. It's not that big of a deal to me. Now, granted, it's not that big of a deal to me because I don't have to stand, like, for example, in front of a classroom teaching all day for eight hours wearing a mask, right? So that's an easy position for me to take. And I recognize that that's my privilege, <laughs> right? That I recognize that. But it's why I wasn't really you know, pushing one way or the other. I let people kind of make their own decisions because I'm a libertarian kind of a guy. I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. 
That's kind of our jam as libertarians. You know, we don't hurt people. We don't take their stuff. That's, that's the deal. That's the compact, right? Well, I'm not going to beat up people for making a different decision. Now, if you have to ask me, well, Pete, would you recommend somebody get the, va- uh, get the vaccine or not? Well, all things being equal, not knowing anything about any of their medical conditions and me not being a doctor, you, do you think I would recommend it or not? I would say I don't want to make a recommendation. But if you're going to put a gun to my head and say I have to, I'd say, yeah, get a vaccine because to get us to herd immunity, it's better to get the vaccine than to get sick and risk dying because you got a higher chance of dying from COVID than you do of any complications from the vaccine. That's that's what the data shows me. But I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not recommending you do it. And I don't like the idea that we're now saying, oh, well, this uh, this viral load issue now, all of a sudden, this is this is the reason why now you're bringing me essentially models. It's the same sort of thing that we saw at the very beginning where they were like, lock everything down. Billions will die. Right. And that turned out not to be the case. And we crushed people's businesses, right, threw everybody out of work, put people into depressions, um, like, you know, mental mental health issues ensued. We had, I mentioned the other day, the number of overdoses in North Carolina through the roof. Like, there are real-world implications for these decisions, and nobody's asking the people who made those calls, tough calls. I get it. As I said earlier, you had a, a host of bad options you had to choose from. I get that. But if you look at it now and you say, oh, that was a pretty bad idea. Ooh, that didn't work out the way we thought it would. You need to come out and tell people that it was wrong. And here's why it was the wrong call based on what you know now. Otherwise, I kind of get the sense that you're trying to dodge responsibility. And now it makes me less trusting of your decisions today. That's a wrap for the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Brett Jensen in for Brett Winterbull up next on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.